Uh, welcome back to the Women Who Wow podcast on Zebra's Your Edge channel. I'm Julie Johnson, and today I will be speaking with Colleen O'Sullivan, Zebra's Senior Vice President and Chief Accounting Officer. I'm personally finding that I'm working more closely with accounting uh, these days due to Zebra's increased focus on as-a-service offerings, selling software and hardware solutions together, aligning on revenue recognition procedures, um, understanding the impact of PPV on costs, inventory rules, what might get written off when, life cycle impact, et cetera, et cetera. Accounting definitely plays a key role in so many of these types of decision-making activities occurring in many of our lives today. Yet, I'm not sure that role is well understood by many people or what it is that accountants like Colleen and her team do. That's why I asked Colleen to join us today. Given the notion that most accountants are cautious and focused on compliance, you may assume that they only operate by the book. And although Colleen is very detail-oriented, articulate, and a rule follower, she's also a big picture thinker and someone who's not afraid to operate in gray areas. She's helped Zebra teams like mine operate with extreme financial responsibility within our existing structures. I'm definitely impressed by her boldness, but not just from a business perspective, also from a personal perspective. Colleen hasn't been afraid to go against the norm over the years, and it appears that the decisions she's made have definitely paid off handsomely. So I want her to share her story with you uh, in the hopes it will compel you to be curious, be creative, be courageous enough to say, it's okay to do things a little differently from how everyone else does them. So Colleen, are you ready to tell? I am. Thanks for having me today. I'm I'm very excited to spend a little time with you, Julie. I've had the opportunity to listen to the previous uh, Women Who Wow podcast. Being an accountant, uh, I'm here to set the the stage straight that we're all not the uh, pencil protector carrying individuals. So very excited to spend some time with you today. Well, that's great. Um, so a lot of the times um, I've started the interviews talking about what people do um, for their job day to day. But um, I think it's important for listeners to understand how, um, you know, how you got started. You know, let's turn back the clock. When you were a little girl, for instance, what did you want to be? You probably didn't even know what an accountant was back then. So, you know, what what did you want to be when when you first started thinking about it? Sure. As, uh, um, as a little girl, I was always involved in teams. Growing up um, was kind of the tomboy of the neighborhood. I have one brother. And in order to uh, get invited to play, there are a lot of boys in the neighborhood. I had to be uh, joining in, playing softball, baseball, football, what have you. So team was always part of my uh, upbringing. And as a little girl, you know, I still had the softer side. So enjoyed, you know, playing with dolls and things like that. I didn't really have a plan as a young girl. But when I got into high school, I had the opportunity to take an accounting class. And as crazy as it sounds, um, that hooked me. Uh, so sophomore year, however old you are at that point, 13 or 14, maybe 15 years old, um, I really liked math. I like having an answer. And so accounting kind of fit right in um, with that wheelhouse. I also had a mother whose career early on was as a bookkeeper. So she brought some of that uh, expertise to the home homeland as well. 
Well, and I, I love hearing about growing up with the little boys in the neighborhood, and I'm sure you never wanted to be last picked for a team. <laughs> <laughs> never. So not like standing there. <laughs> so great. So I understand the, the accounting and liking math. I mean, that all kind of fits together. And of course, having a, a strong mother figure. So so how did your you know career move along? You know, some of the things that I, I think are really neat about folks who get into finance, and obviously I was jealous, it's just the 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 amount of movement I see people who who get into finance. You're all over the place, all sorts of different types of jobs, moving around a lot. Did did you see that kind of progression for your career? So so starting out my career actually um after exiting college, I went to the University of Illinois in Champaign, which was a well-known and still is a well-known school for accounting degrees, very much focused in having the support from then, uh, back many moons ago, the big eight. So the big eight public accounting firms, that's where they really directed individuals to go as they started their careers. Um, I took the opportunity to do an internship my junior year uh, in a private industry. So I filled in for summer as an accounts payable clerk. Someone was out on maternity leave. And I took that opportunity because I wanted to see what life really was like as an accountant. Um, and it shared with me, or what I learned from that is that I didn't want to go into industry right away. So I think a lot of times internships help you not only identify what you may want to do, but it also helps you identify what you don't want to do. Um, so I then left um, college and joined a big eight firm, Arthur Anderson at the time. And um, that gave me an opportunity, again, to, to follow my passion from the perspective of working as a team. Um, and as a public accountant, you got to see a lot of different things. So you had different clients. So I got to go see companies that were manufacturers and companies that were banks, institutions and different uh, distributors. That So you had that opportunity to see how the companies worked, how different companies worked. And as a young person, I also found it as an exciting way to start a career because I joined this company with 60 of my closest uh, fellow accountants. So as a young person coming out of school, um, joining an organization with 60 people that are similar to you is almost pseudo school, right? You're, you're entering a career, you're entering, I'll say the adulthood, um, but at the same time, you have 60 people to ask questions to. And so I found that really um, comforting, uh, as well as, again, extending my um, enjoyment of working as a team. Because when you're doing audits of companies, you're always in a team environment. There's six to eight people working together on one thing. So that really um, fired my passion as well, or continued to fire that passion. Um, my husband would say, who I met in college, that I would probably still be at Arthur Anderson if it was still doing, able to do public audits of, of public companies. Um, however, they had a little um, hiccup uh, in the early 2000s for those of us who uh, are old enough to that. remember that. <laughs> um, and so Arthur Anderson could no longer do public audits. And so I, at that point in time, um, my husband and I had already had our four children, and I thought it was a good opportunity for me to sort of step back and think about what's next. Uh, and I saw where the, or I thought I saw where the public uh, accounting and audit firms were moving, and it wasn't what I was used to, having been there for 12 years. And so I took the opportunity uh, to leave public accounting and move into what I'll call industry, so moving into the other side of the 
of the table where I'm not asking the questions of the company, um, but auditors are asking me of those questions. And so that was a, a, a moment in time where I switched, if you will, the side of the table that I sat on. And since then, um, have had three different companies, have worked with three different companies prior to joining Zebra. And the interesting thing for me when I um, was interviewing, and I know we'll touch on this in a little bit, but um, you know, when I was interviewing, uh, as I took some time off in 2014, uh, people were asking me how I, why I moved so frequently of my my career, so many jobs, and I thought it was so odd because I had spent 12 years at Arthur Anderson, and then each of the other three um, companies I had spent anywhere from three to five years. So I didn't feel like I was jumping around a lot. Um, but it's interesting to see as you go through that interview process what others are thinking of uh, when they're looking at you as a candidate for a role. So I have switched um, my areas of focus over those years, always in the what I call the actual side of the house for the most part, dealing with closing the books, reporting the books, managing processes like payroll, accounts payable, collections, um, and but having the opportunity to work with folks like yourselves in the business, also in M&A transactions and things of that nature. So um, what Pat continues, you know, my focus and my passion is really around engaging with people uh, and working through solving problems that they may be facing, bringing obviously my expertise from an accounting perspective um, and a reporting perspective, but also from just an overall business perspective and, and what may work what has worked in other situations, um, but always with that eye towards compliance and, and following the rules, as you said earlier. Yeah, it's it's interesting though, thinking about public accounting versus industry. And, you know, when I think of industry, it's always about revenue, profit, you know, yeah. multiple stock price. And it's very different, I would think, in public. Um, are, are there any any key um, parts of public accounting you miss in your current job, and and I guess vice versa. Yeah, it's a great question. I I do miss and and have missed over the years some of the more theoretical. Um, I use you know uh, technical accounting type conversations uh, when there are new regulations that come out. When you're in the public accounting world, you're bringing to your client some of that technical knowledge and you're working with the customer or the company to think through how they might address or apply the current literature. And so I always one who was curious in understanding the why behind the literature that comes out or the regulations that come out. Sometimes they don't make a lot of common sense, even I will say that. Um, but nonetheless, in the role that I play, we have to enforce them. And so I miss that a bit, some of the more um, technical, uh, discussions around why we do what we do. Um, that that I definitely do miss. The things that I like, though, uh, on the flip side, coming to industry is that um, you get to more holistically understand the business and spend time with said parties, whether it's within finance, other parts of the uh, team in finance or outside of finance, and really getting to know what is strate strategically important. Um, to the company and then see what what we can do in my team to help drive that um, path forward. So that's that's a, the fun part about being, I'll say, on the industry side of the, the, the table uh, is that you're getting to know the business that much more deeply. Yeah, makes sense. So um, I think the next part I wanted to touch upon is the one that um, 
I definitely thought was really interesting, um, particularly as you're currently senior vice president and chief accounting officer, you know, obviously a job many, many people, you know, would definitely would hope to get to at some point in their lives. Um, but you, you know, looking at your career and jumping, not jumping, that's the wrong word, but moving, transitioning, you know, to these various roles you've been in, um, and you didn't get to Zebra by continuing to do that. And there were sort of some pivots and some realignments um, and even, must I dare say the word, attempting to retire, um, <laughs> which, but then after apparently your family said, stop, you need to go back to work, um, you know, and then goes full speed. So I'd love to hear kind of this part of the story because I think this is the thing, and it doesn't matter if you're a male or a female, but, you know, your career is a marathon. It's not a race. And uh, I think people need to stop and think about this um, in their own lives. So I think this is a great story. Go ahead. No, ha happy to share. Definitely um, some interesting pivots, as you said. The first, as I mentioned already, was um, when Arthur Anderson um, met its demise, if you will. Uh, and that, you know, had allowed me some opportunity to think about what's next uh, and taking family considerations into into account as well. Um, but the the retire um, aspect was most recently just joined just before joining Zebra. Uh, I had been in uh, my previous role as an interim chief financial officer uh, of a company in Schaumburg, Illinois, and a new CEO was brought in. And it's not uncommon, um, although not um, always the case, as we now have a new CEO in our company. But um, there are times when a CEO comes in from the outside that they bring in their own chief financial officer, someone that they may have worked with in the past, um, someone they trust and understand and feel that they can help drive their agenda forward. And so that's where I found myself. Um, I found myself um, being the person uh, without a chair at the table, uh, and so I thought this was maybe my opportunity to, um, quote unquote, retire. So I did take about a year to 18 months off, spent time, as you mentioned, with my family. My kids at that point were uh, late middle school and in high school, uh, spent time on myself, uh, joining golf leagues and doing things that maybe I wasn't able to do when I had a full-time job as easily. Um, and after about that first year, Mark, uh, both myself and, as you mentioned, my children were like, okay, mom, uh, love that you're around, but you're in my business a little too much. So maybe it is time for you to rethink uh, that, uh, that work, um, your profession and, and get back at it. And so I started, uh, you know, my networking, which I often tell folks I am not the best person. I give myself a C or a D in, in grades as far as maintaining network. So I try to plug that as much as I can uh, for those that are maybe earlier in their careers to continue, you know, to strengthen your networks, both within a company and outside. Um, but also had someone in my network reach to me and they brought to me the opportunity that was Zebra, which at the time was a consulting arrangement. Um, they were, Zebra was looking for someone for three months to fill a role um, while the individual in, was out on medical leave. And I thought, you know, this might be a nice segue back into the work uh, life. And I could be more flexible with my time, take a project, just, you know, not take a project, so on and so forth. So I jumped in with both feet and, and had the opportunity to um, work with Zebra. Uh, again, what was 
initially intended to be a three-month project um, coming out of, so this was 2016, so shortly after the Motorola acquisition, and a lot of work that needed to be done within finance uh, and accounting to strengthen its processes, to understand how to, as I call, swallow uh, Motorola, and, and make sure we had um, the appropriate compliance and processes in place. Um, fast forward, those three months went by, as you would imagine, in a blink of an eye. And unfortunately, the person who was in my role was not able to come back um, on a full-time basis. And so the opportunity presented itself for me to take the role. Uh, and I often say, and I shared um, with you in, a, in an earlier conversation, that it was like we were dating, right? I had three months to know Zebra. And Zebra had three months to get to know me, and um, I honestly didn't know who Zebra was prior to joining the company, uh, even though I grew up in the north northern suburbs, and I actually worked in 3OP uh, when I was with another company. Uh, they were Their offices were in 3OP at the time. So um, strangely enough, being you know in the area uh, at the same time, just still never knew who Zebra was. So it was a great opportunity, very much enjoy the culture of Zebra and where I thought I could help add value to the organization. So um, fast forward, now I'm seven plus years, uh, having uh, been part of the company and, and excited to where, see where it's going and, and what we can do together. Yeah, I, I just think that's such a great story. And um, I think, you know, many of us, I too have had kind of different pivots in my career and I did take a breath. And, you know, it is, it is, um, it makes you want to come back, I think, mm -hmm. those of us. And, uh, but I, I think it's interesting that you don't have to feel that you have to just keep working, working. You never can take a breath. You never can make a pivot. And that will somehow curtail where you end up in your career. And I, I think that's a, a good story. And I think people need to be aware that more people do it than you'd think. And mm -hmm. um, there's definitely positive benefits for both sides. So I think that's great. Thank you for sharing that. No problem. Yeah, I think that I really... As I came back to work, it, it also helped me, you know, think a little bit more about not only how I could have value, but how I can balance. Um, and, and I, too, participate in a number of the offerings that Zebra has, bringing outside speakers in and, and the word of not having work-life balance, but work-life harmony, right? Yeah. And I think that's, um, that is really the word that I sticks with me and and is something that I believe as I came back to the workforce after taking that time off really became something important for me to continue to strive for and then also be in a position to show for my team and support for my team that that is important as well taking those breaks um, and being more open to sort of understanding the whole self of the individual that we're working with. And I think the pandemic obviously helped with that a bit as well, where we were working from home and seeing young children or pets or significant others coming through our teams and Zoom calls unintentionally. <laughs> um, you got to know the person more. And I think that, um, you know, pivot, if you will, or time that I took off really had me thinking about that a bit more seriously and being a bit more intentional about it for both myself and my team members. Yeah, I think the, the only point though that I really agree with as well was around keeping those networks and, you know, 
these career folk, maybe they're not your best friends or that you go out to dinner with all the time, but maintaining those are really important in your career, especially if you ever do want to pivot. So agree with that. Yeah, definitely. It's something that I continue, right? We're also a work in progress. I'm still right. a work in progress. Um, and, and it's something that I try to be a bit more intent, intentional about. And one thing that I would say, having folks reach to me, and I'm sure they reach to you as well, Julie, as they're either earlier in their careers or later on, and they're thinking of making a pivot, I'm always open to the conversation. And I think that sometimes is a um, uh, a roadblock for folks is to say, well, I don't really want to bother you know, so-and-so that I worked with three years ago. But I know for myself, um, when people call and ask, you know, do you have 30 minutes or do you, do you have an hour to talk about something? I'm more than happy to do that. And I, I think that's something else I want people to maybe um, get over that, uh, that, that first feeling of I just it's maybe taking up this very busy person's time um, because I find I always learn things not only about the individual, but even sometimes about yourself when you're having those conversations. Um, you may, I always learn a thing or two that I could even take forward yeah. as I continue to grow myself. Yeah, no, I, I get it. So um, the next thing is, I remember, I think the first time we met, we were next to each other at dinner and you, you know, introduced yourself as the chief accounting officer. And this little bubble in my head goes, oh my gosh, that's right. We do have a chief accounting officer. Like, <laughs> So many of us in the BU or sales, we're so busy shipping product, trying to win deals. Like we forget about these super important roles. But as I said, you know, of late, there have been so many different parts of my job that intersect. And um, you really, your role is so critical um, on our company's success. And um, it's got to be extremely challenging now with all these changes and um, issues with supply chain and ev our evolution to be a software and solutions company, um, how uh, ESG um, has so many different implications on our business, and now more and more focus on AI, and there's all these different, you know, um, kind of outside forces. So I'm just curious, you know, where do you spend most of your time now? And like, who is dictating your priorities? Is it the CEO, our auditors, the CFO? government regulators, the board. Um, just just curious to hear. I'd say all of the above. No. <laughs> um, uh, you know, in in reality, though, the, it is balancing, right? Um, all of the stakeholders. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, where I see my role is really to to protect, for lack of a better word, ourselves sometimes um, and, and make sure that we're safeguarding the assets of Zebra. And so from a prioritization perspective right now, working obviously very closely with Nathan Winters, our CFO, to help um, who drives uh, the, the strategy and focus for finance. Um, but I do interact very closely with the audit committee um, as well uh, with our auditors, to your point, Julie, um, all focused on making sure at the end of the day, um, the numbers that we present externally, whether it's financial and you mentioned ESG and we're all waiting uh, patiently, maybe uh, with uh, rules that may be coming down from the Securities Exchange Commission and others. Um, so those will be non-financial numbers that we that we give, which will be interesting, uh, uh, an interesting pivot for um, for us in the accounting prof profession. But uh, really looking to make sure that at the end of the day, what we're presenting externally has intention, uh, sorry, integrity, um, is complete and accurate um, from a reasonable materiality perspective. I want to make sure people 
appreciate that we're not uh, balancing everything to the penny. Uh, we couldn't afford that from a compliance cost perspective. So we look at what's material. And so in many cases, the prioritization comes down to risk uh, and impact, right? We have to look at those things that will have the largest impact on the organization. You mentioned inventory, right? Um, currently, we have quite a bit of inventory due to some of the supply chain challenges that we faced um, earlier on in the during the pandemic. And so that we're pivoting, right? And looking at what does that mean from a financial statement perspective? What is the company doing? We're partnering very closely with yourself and the others in the BU, as well as um, within the supply chain team to really understand the what we have, the how we plan to um, utilize all of that. And it's really a partnership um, where I bring to the table what the accounting rules say, but partnering with yourself and others on what are we going to do? What is the business, what business going to do in this regard? And so um, prioritization really changes as, as, the, uh, as the year progresses, um, because to your point, there's not only the, I'll say financial statement, um, misstatement risk that we're trying to avoid, but we also want to advance the organization, right? We we want to make sure that as I do my job and, and lead my teams, that we're doing them in a way that um, minimizes um, the effect on everyone else, whether it's yourselves as our customers within Zebra, as well as our customers external to Zebra. My team that leads the collections group, right? They work very closely with the sales team and making sure that our customers are paying on time, um, that we're giving them what they are expecting us to give um, as far as whether it's hardware or to your point, software and solutions. And so much more of my time is spent these days collaborating um, across the functions to make sure we're focused in the right areas. The other thing is we don't live in a vacuum. And so my priorities um, may not be the most important ones as compared to what Zebra needs. And I, I like to um, instill in my team and myself that we're very aware that we are here for the betterment of Zebra as a whole. And so the priorities of Zebra to grow in the SaaS area, for example, or adjacent markets, you know, what can we do on my team to help advance that? Um, we're spending a lot of time, right, working with some of the new offerings to make sure we can account for it correctly, we can invoice it correctly. Those are the things that we bring to the table, and I want to make sure that we're doing it in an efficient, effective way. So those that are on the front lines out, to your point, selling and, and working with customers on the next opportunity, um, that we make it as easy as possible. That That's my goals. We're, we're all here. Um, and I often say to my team, if it wasn't for the sales team, if it wasn't for the products team who are creating these new innovative products, we wouldn't be here. There wouldn't be a need for a chief accounting officer. There wouldn't be a need for a payroll team or a payables team because we wouldn't have a business. So that's very much top of mind as I think through prioritization of, of where myself and my team spend our time. It was, it was something um, you noted about your priorities versus Zebra's priorities. And, you know, you, you've also, you worked at other companies, including a large retailer. You know, what, what are the differences? And when you talk about priorities, I guess I always thought they were all, all accounting had the same type of priorities. What, what would be some of the differences? 
I think, you know, for, for me, where I think about it is, for example, Zebra's priority of expanding in adjacencies, right? That's something new, especially if we think about and in, in advancing ourselves in the as-a-service arena. It's not something that is in historically been in Zebra's DNA. And so we need to build that muscle. And so what we bring to the table from an accounting finance perspective is, what are the the debits and credits, as I say, that need to happen? You know, we have to recognize things over time, not immediately. Um, and so working through those things would be something that helps advance Zebra, right? So that's a company strategy that we need to, um, I'll say, jump on board and help bring our expertise to. From a finance accounting strategy, I'm looking at with my teams, how do we, how do we affect, how do we how do we operationalize in a way that's as efficient as possible? So I may be looking at, um, we're looking at, for example, manual journal entry workflow. Very exciting for all of our listeners, but there's a lot of time spent um, approving, reviewing, documenting why we do what we do for these journal entries that are done on a manual basis. So how do we eradicate those? How do we minimize those? How do we do them in a more efficient manner so people can free up their time? So that's something I'm looking at that myself and my team that yourself and the BU or someone on the sales team would never even think about probably, and rightfully so. They they don't need to be thinking about those things, but I'm running the chief accounting office like a business, right? We, we need to operate ourselves as a business. So where are we wasting time or not using our time as efficiently as we can? Those are things that I would be looking at that are a priority. How are we using technology? You mentioned chat GBT. Can we use some robotics um, process automation and certain things that we do that, again, make our operation, our business run more seamlessly? Yeah. Interesting. I guess I don't think of, of the accounting office run like a business, but <laughs> makes sense. Definitely makes sense. Okay, so let's kind of switch gears a bit. I still four kids working full time. That just seems absolutely insane. So um, what was sort of some of the secrets to, to your success? How were you able to do both? And uh, clearly, you obviously are still speaking with your children. So that's all <laughs> wonderful. Um, just what was sort of your secret? Um, I, I would say number first and foremost, a very supportive spouse um, who uh, we were a team. We tag team the minute we had our number three child. So going into this, we we both said we would if if so blessed, we would like a larger family. I just have one sibling and and have always missed having a sister it happens to be a boy. He's lovely. But um, but there's just something there. So. Um, going in, we we knew we wanted to have a larger family if if um, you know if if we were able to, and and luckily we were. Uh, and so once there were more of them than us, once we were no longer able to uh, uh, tag team, we just um, became uh, a logistics organization, right? So getting organized, um, working with. Uh, the kids will say now they're our youngest is 23 and just graduated from college this past weekend, but they were they were brought up to be fairly self-sufficient. I wasn't there all of the time. My husband wasn't there all of the time, um, but we organized our calendars and thankfully had very supportive managers as we both were going up the ranks in our in our careers um, to say family does come first. And so if I needed to get to a hot dog day at school or to my husband was reading mom um, at certain times, uh, he was met one of our favorite um, family 
friends through him being the art quote unquote mom um, for the day. And so we we really just um, made that a priority. We were able to um, through also support of family, extended family and, and great child care, um, able to get our calendars so that it worked. Um, but I will say that I was not the mom who got up in the morning and made everyone lunches and all of those things. The kids got to figure that out themselves. And there were times where they didn't have a lunch and that was OK. They would figure it out. Um, and so, you know, as they reflect back, uh, they would say um, that, you know, they, they grew up um, being self-sufficient. And I think that's something that's taken, you know, them now as they're young adults starting out their careers um, a bit more equipped for the realities of, you know, you need to figure things out on your own. And so um, it, it, I wouldn't be here, though, if it wasn't for, like I said, a very supportive spouse, extended family member, um, family members and, and great child care, which gave me the comfort to be able to say I can travel or I can be working a little bit later. Um, you know, those those things happened. And that's why I use the word harmony instead of balance, because there definitely um, wasn't balance all of the time. I would be um, uh, less than, you know, um, clear or or um, whatever the right word is to say that, you know, we were, I was balanced. There were stressors, there were things that you miss. Um, and I think that's the case for all of us, whether you have one child, whether you have no children and you have other commitments outside of work, um, we are just, uh, this is one piece of our, of our lives is our work life. So whatever else that you have that is that you're passionate outside of work, there are those pressures and those stressors where you're not able to do all the things you may want to do. Um, but in the end, it's worked. And yes, they are all four still talking to us. So I take that as a little victory. Um, not always as frequently as I would like, but that's okay. <laughs> They're still speaking to us. So um, so I think it has worked. But but I would be remiss to say that you don't have, I don't have moments where I say I should have, could have, been there um, for them at various points in their lives. But I think that's probably true even for those who, as my mother was a civil engineer, she she was a stay-at-home mother and she still missed things and re has, has certain regrets as well. So um, I think that uh, all in all, it takes a village has always been my topic. And, and we've luckily had a great village supporting us, which, which included managers that I had throughout my career or leaders who were very supportive of take the time with your family when you need to, whether you call it hybrid or flex time. We didn't have those terms back when I was starting my career, but they were allowing time to go do the things you needed to do as long as you got your work done. So I think there is also a mindset um, that I was lucky enough to have great leaders um, teaching me along the way as I move through my career. So now that you don't have hot dog day, which by the way, I've never <laughs> been to a hot dog day. Um, what, what do you do instead? Do you read? Um, do you run? What do you do? I've never been a runner. Um, my, my funny fact there is my husband was uh, a runner and he tried to entice me when we were first uh dating with with ice cream at the end of a run. I'm not sure how good that was, but it, it never stuck for me. But I do enjoy golfing. I do enjoy anything outside. I golf uh, quite a bit. Um, we are a ski family. So for those that can join us, we will go skiing in the winter when we can. Um, we've now 
just recently in the past three years built a, um, a home in Lake Geneva uh, in Wisconsin. It's about uh, an hour and 15 from the Chicago office. And so that's my um, my recluse, my, my, uh, where I go to recharge, um, take walks uh, around the lake, engage with a whole new set of community members who I haven't met before, um, as we're here now just about two years. So really pivoting to your point, um, away from hot dog day to um, which we can I can always uh, arrange it. I think it's still happening at my kids uh, uh, primary <laughs> school. So if you're ever in the area really looking for some time, we can make that happen. Oh, but sounds um, fun. OK, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, spending some time um, engaging in new things. So, you know, looking back and um, the other the other question I always like to ask people is, you know, what do you wish you could go back and tell, you know, that I don't know, 14-year-old girl or even the 21-year-old girl about looking forward in your life. These here here's some advice. Yeah. I I one of the big things that I still again as I continue to evolve myself is to not sweat the little things. Um and and I know it's easy to say and it's hard to do, but you know, somebody that I first started out with said, you know, we are not in the business of saving lives. There are those who are, and I am amazed at how they, well they can do it and, and how they balance their stress levels. Um, but in what I do and what we do, um, it's that's not the case. And so I feel like balancing that with not forgetting who you are as a person. And I, I really think it's different phases of your life, right? There are different chapters, if you will, I often say, where you know, you're right out of school, perhaps your career is what you have. Headstrong, get into it, take the time you need to take, you know, get, go through that grind. But as you, you know, mature and have more things maybe that come into your life, you those things pivot. So you can't do everything at 100%. You just, it's just not humanly possible. And so being comfortable with taking a break or saying that now my family is going to be a priority and I may not be on the fast track for career advancement, but I want to stay on the track or I might want to get off the track for a little while um, and spend time. But being comfortable with those decisions, because at the end of the day, there will always, in my opinion, be work. Um, there will always be opportunity for people who want to strive to get to the next level or get to a new experience. And so it, having that confidence in yourself, um, along with not sweating this, the small stuff, I think are the two things that I would um, and, and tell my children who are now starting their careers. Um, on, on, and also, I guess the last thing is find something you really are passionate about. Right. I mean, as crazy as it sounds, I love being an accountant. Um, I often say I'm not your typical accountant. I don't know that there is one these days because things are changing so rapidly. But find something that you're passionate about um, and you'll be able to, you know, um, provide for yourself, provide for your family. Uh, that That's really at the end of the day, what's important is if you go home, I often say to folks as I'm talking to them, what gets you out of bed in the morning to come to work? You know, what is that thing that motivates you? Um, think about that and think about how you can, you know, I'll say, um, I was going to say monopolize, that's not the right word, but how you can use that to draw, you know, you to the next thing in your career. And if you're not enjoying what you're doing, take the time to take a pivot because 
you know, there there are so many opportunities out there. And as managers of people, we don't know what's going on inside your head unless you let us know. So oftentimes, you know, spending time with my team members around what is it that they get you up in the morning? That's what we want to talk about. And how do we leverage that into something that may be your next opportunity, your next project, whatever the case may be. Okay. Well, thank you, Colleen, so much for joining us today. Um, you just you're you're such a genuine person, and I can tell at work you're very focused and uh, full of purpose, and you obviously live your life that way. So, very inspirational for me. So, thank you so much, and I want to thank all of you for joining us again, um, for joining me again to, um, to Women Who Wow and learning about these amazing, amazing uh, women uh, that we get to work with every day. Thank you. Thank you.